Luke chapter 20, verse 9. And Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent his servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his teaching, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will help us to hear his voice. In his name we ask. Amen. Do you have a seat? I wonder if you've ever been a tenant. Have you ever rented a property maybe for years, maybe for a week or two? And if so, what kind of tenant were you? Whether or not you have been a tenant, that is the question for every one of us this morning. We live in a world that belongs to God who made it. It is his, it belongs to him. What kind of tenants are we? Well, we're picking up on our series on Luke's Gospel again called The King of the Kingdom. And as you will have gathered, we've got to the parable of the tenants. This is Luke 29, 18 that we heard earlier. It's there on page 879 in the Bibles. If you haven't got that open in front of you, please grab a Bible and turn to that. Page 879, Luke 20 from verse 9. And you can also see... Uh, on the back of the, the yellow sheet that's wrapping around your service sheet, a, um, uh, an outline, and you'll see there that I want to talk about a story Jesus told, a history Jesus knew, a reality Jesus experienced, and a warning and a promise that Jesus gave. So first of all, a story Jesus told. Nowadays, the papers seem to be littered with stories of terrible tenants. I believe there is even a TV series called Tenants from Hell that's on sometimes. So common is this kind of case. And I'll tell you a bit more about an extreme example a little later. 
We have uh, already heard Jesus tell this story about tenants from hell. That's not his phrase, but perhaps it's even more applicable because the case that Jesus told about was even more extreme than those ones that get onto the TV shows to the point of murder. This wasn't just a story to fill the pages of the tabloids then. This was a parable that Jesus told, a story with a deeper significance that those with eyes to see could see. Although in this case, it was really staring everyone in the face. The significance of this was not obscure, it was dangerously obvious. So what was the situation when Jesus told this tale? Jesus was teaching and preaching in the temple in Jerusalem, and he was challenged by the religious leaders. And that's the first part of Luke chapter 20. Ken spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. And effectively, they were asking Jesus, who do you think you are to come and preach on our patch and teach on our patch and make these outrageous claims? Who gave you authority? Well, Jesus stymied them on that one with a counter-challenge. You can read about that for yourself later on. And then he told them this story with a sting in the tail. Luke chapter 20, verse 9, And Jesus began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. Now that immediately flags up that this is indeed not just going to be a story to keep them entertained. Why? Because talk of a vineyard would immediately make them think that Jesus is actually going to talk about Israel, the Jewish nation. Why is that? Because these are Bible teachers and scholars who Jesus is aiming this at. And they would have been very well aware that the Old Testament uses a vineyard as a picture of Israel and planting a vineyard is a picture of God making a people for himself. So for instance, there's Isaiah chapter 5, and this prophecy begins, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 1, let me sing for my beloved my song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill, he dug it, and cleared it of stones, and planted it with choice vines. And the prophecy goes on to say that the owner of the vineyard had done everything possible for it, but the crop that it produced was useless. So he says he's going to break down its walls and turn it into a wasteland. And then this in verse 7 of Isaiah 5, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So for the planter, read the Lord. For the vineyard, read Israel. And when the Lord looks at his people, he expects to see justice, but what he sees instead is bloodshed. So when those chief priests and scribes and elders heard the opening line of Jesus' story, just after their attack on him has been stymied, Maybe they thought to themselves, we are not going to like this story. This is not going to end well for us. What is coming? And they would have been right to be worried. And if they had been listening, so would all the nations of the world be right to worry. Why? 
because the Lord of hosts, the maker and judge of all the earth, is about to give his verdict on how his people have treated him across the centuries. And what applies to Israel also applies with equal force to the whole of humanity. So Jesus goes on. When the time came, the owner of the vineyard sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. In other, in other words, it's time to pay the rent, as of course they should. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Now, can you imagine that? You would have thought that that would be the end of it there and then. But this owner seems to have great patience. And he sent another servant. But they also beat and treated him shamefully. So you can see there's an escalation in their abuse. And sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also. They wounded and cast out. So this one wasn't just sent away, he was thrown out, perhaps too beaten up and injured to walk. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? Send in the troops perhaps, but no, his patience is still not exhausted. I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him, but when the tenants saw him, they said, to themselves, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. Now what are those tenants thinking? That is a breathtakingly bold and also stupid thing to think about. How do they think this is going to end? But they don't come to their senses. Instead, Jesus goes on, and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So that is the story that Jesus told. And it vividly depicts, secondly, a history Jesus knew. Only last week there was a story in the papers about some tenants from hell, or so the, papers, uh, so the paper called them, and I have to say I can see why. The headline was, British Mother, 46 says tenants from hell have destroyed her dream Spanish holiday home and left her 50,000 pounds in debt. Apparently these tenants seemed like good ordinary people until they took possession of her home. And then everything started to go wrong. They literally threw furniture out of the windows. They broke walls and flooring, racked up unpaid electricity bills, destroyed the sofas, the kitchen was left destroyed with holes in the cupboards and pink graffiti apparently with swear words sprayed up the walls and on the appliances. Shocking stuff. Well in Jesus' parable, who is it that are represented by that sequence of servant messengers the vineyard owner sent to these tenants from hell? Above all, they are the prophets who spoke God's word to a world and to a nation that did not want to listen. As Hebrews chapter 1 verse says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, 
God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Now, let me just give you a couple of examples of how the prophets were treated beyond just being ignored. When the prophet Elijah was calling Israel back to God, the king was Ahab, who was a tenant from hell if ever there was one. And Ahab blamed Elijah for the spiritually squalid state of the nation he imagined he ruled. So on one occasion, when he met Elijah, Ahab said to him, this is 1 Kings 18 verse 17, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? There speaks the sinful heart. There is this terrible irony in the fact that it is the one who speaks God's truth and proclaims God's word who gets blamed by the godless world for all that's wrong with it. Many years later, the prophet Jeremiah warned that God's long-suffering patience was finally running out and judgment was coming on the nation in the form of destruction at the hands of their enemies. How was he received? Jeremiah 26, verse 11. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city, as you've heard with your own ears. Never mind that what he said was true and listening to him was their only hope. By the grace of God, some did listen on that occasion and Jeremiah was allowed to live to prophesy another day. That was not the case for Jesus, the Son of God himself, when he came from the Father. Which brings us to, thirdly, a reality Jesus experienced. Back to that Spanish dream holiday home with its tenants from hell. One time when the owner, uh, who was the landlord, when she visited the property, these tenants said to her, we will murder you. And they threw a brick at her from the roof of the house. They threatened to kill me, she said, even leaving a knife wedged in the sofa with a threat on my life. This has been a nightmare. The entire situation has left me heartbroken. The house isn't even habitable at the moment. What happened next? We'll come back to that. Let me just remind you of the sequence of response to Jesus as he taught and healed and called people to put their trust in him and poured out his love on those around him. This is from Luke chapter 4, verse 28 to uh, 30, early in the public ministry of Jesus. When they heard what Jesus was saying, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. His time had not yet come. On to chapter 5, verse 21, and the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Chapter 6, verse 11, but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. 19, verse 47, just before the passage we're looking at, and Jesus was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. 
And then here are the words of Pontius Pilate, of all people, a bit further on in chapter, three, uh, chapter 23, verse 15. Pontius Pilate said, look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. And then a few verses later, they crucified him. When Jesus told his parable, he knew exactly what he was talking about. The vicious hostility towards him was already strong and obvious. He knew how it was going to end. He knew that he was going to the cross. That was the reality that Jesus experienced. But then finally and fourthly, a warning and a promise Jesus gave. So what did happen in the case of that dream Spanish holiday home that turned into a nightmare and left its owner heartbroken by the vandalism and violence of her tenants from hell? The tenants were taken to court at the owner's expense. Months of eviction notices were ignored. But judges and courts will not tolerate being ignored and will not be thwarted in the end. And eventually those tenants from hell were evicted by the court authorities so the owner could take possession of her property again. She has paid a high price, but she and her family and friends are restoring the house to what it should be. Now back to Jesus and his hearers. And this is where it gets interactive between them. Jesus asks the obvious cliffhanger question, what's going to happen next? Or as he says, this is uh, uh, in the second half of verse 15. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? And he answers his own question. He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. And this brings a shocked response from his hearers. When they heard this, they said, surely not. They seem to be in denial about the inevitable end to this story. But Jesus looked directly at them, as if to say, this is you I'm talking about. He looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's a Bible quote from Psalm 118. And Jesus adds, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. What does this mean, Jesus asks? Well, it means that he, Jesus, is the rock on which the world is built. He is the solid foundation of everything. And if, after all his patience, we end up rejecting him, thinking to gain by it, we will be sorely disappointed. Because if in the end we reject him, he will reject us. And to use this picture of the great rock falling on us, we will have the life crushed out of us. That is the warning. But on the other side of that coin, there is a promise as well. The promise is that Jesus is on a mission. And the day will come when he will eject from his kingdom all that is evil and all who are evil. All who are his enemies on that day will not be able to stand against him. 
goodness and righteousness and the love of Christ will prevail. And the kingdom will be given to those who have turned from their sin and rebellion and put their trust in him and in the forgiveness that flows from his blood shed on that cross for the sins of the world. They will not deserve a place in his kingdom, but his is a kingdom of grace and mercy. That is the promise. So there are some clear lessons for all of us. One, see how deep the corruption in humanity goes, and indeed in our own hearts. Only then can we see the full wonder of what Jesus did for us when he died for our sins on the cross. As J.C. Ryle puts it, Christ is never fully valued until sin is clearly seen. Two, let's be amazed at the long-suffering and patience that God shows towards us. We try his patience beyond endurance, and yet he continues to give us and to give the world new opportunity after new opportunity to turn back to him in repentance and faith. Three, we must not lose sight of the fact that God's patience will one day come to an end. The task of calling the nations of the world to repentance and faith is urgent. We dare not delay. The day of final reckoning is coming. The owner and landlord will clear out the tenants from hell. He will restore his rightful rule. He is the owner and the judge and the ruler of this world of his. He gave his son to die and raised him from death so that he could take full possession of his kingdom again. He will complete his mission. Four, and to spell it out, a person's eternal destiny is determined by his or her attitude to Jesus. If, as it were, anyone throws out his messengers and wishes him dead and gone, then they are joining the tenants from hell and will share their fate. So don't ignore what Jesus said. Don't despise what Jesus did. And don't reject Jesus. Let's make sure we keep on turning to him in repentance and faith. And then let's take every opportunity to persuade others to do the same. And then by grace, we will belong in his vineyard. We will have a place in his kingdom. We will share in his inheritance and all the blessings of eternal life. Let's bow our heads to pray. Lord Jesus, we are sorry that we have been like tenants from hell. Have mercy on us. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you willingly went to that cross to pay the price for our sins so we could be forgiven. Thank you that you will complete your mission. Your kingdom will come. And please use us in the power of your spirit to go as your servants wherever you call us while we wait for that day. Amen.